We are discussing letters written by loved ones on doctrinal differences and difficulties in Mormonism and their behavior. <laughs> Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Thank you for watching our segment today. And Earl Erskine is here as our co-host sharing yeah. uh, the information Thanks that we found. Oh, <laughs> thank you for we're discussing this with us. Um, it's interesting because we both come from a Mormon background, although yeah. different sects of it. Um, but still, he knew all about the LDS Church. I knew all about the polygamy groups. And we combined together to share with you what we've learned since we left the faith. Is that the book? Uh, we've been discussing the little book, um, Letters from a Mormon Apostate to His Son. This is part two. Is this the, is this the book? This is no. This is oh, the one we're going to do after we do. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sure. After. But you said you didn't know where you got this book, huh? This little book, I just don't know. It was just there in, in my your library. <laughs> just there in my meant to share, I'm sure. <laughs> well, it's very interesting. I think that yeah, what we're is. reading that his experiences in the early 1900s, 1906 and 1907. Yeah. Uh, he wrote about the cruel ma plural, plural marriage practices that he saw, and that he said that many divorces resulted from some of these plural marriages. Now, they're supposed to be eternal, sealed eternally, and yet uh, they had a high rate of divorce there for a while. Now, we begin this time on page 41, where the father is, is writes, writing to his son about the Reed Smoot hearings in Washington, D.C. Now, before we quote from his letter, those who are unfamiliar with the Reed Smoot hearings and what they were all about, again, we're going to quote from Wikipedia to inform you of what they were. Yeah, the Reed-Smoot hearings, also called the Smoot hearings or the Smoot case, were a series of congressional hearings on whether the United States Senate should seat U.S. Senator Reed-Smoot, who, who was elected by the Utah legislature in 1903. Smoot was an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the LDS Church, one of the top 15 leaders of the church. The hearings began in 1904 and continued until 1907 when the Senate voted. The vote fell short of the two-thirds majority needed to expel a member, so he retained his seat. Popular opposition against Smoot seating in the Senate centered on the church's practice of polygamy. Now note these dates. 19, the Smoot hearings were between 1904 right. and 1907. Right. How many years after the manifesto? Oh, yeah, that's 14 years. And, and even after the 1904 years. Second Manifesto, it's still, <laughs> polygamy is still part of, of the, the culture. Right. So they did not do away with it like they say they <laughs> did. Now, we years ago, we did a, a show, a segment on the Reed's Moot hearings, and you can watch it on the link on the screen. It's show 4.44, December 1st, 2011. And there will be more detail in that than we're going to give today. We just want to give you a, an idea of what this man writing this letter saw in the, the contradictions of uh, the Mormon faith. Uh, he's pointing out the admitted deceit by Mormon church leaders. Now, uh, these are, remember that polygamists and Mormons alike have always advocated and practiced lying for the Lord. Now, this letter is dated July 1907. I never admitted to that, but I can <laughs> see where it happens. Oh, yeah. Darn it. 
the Mormon Church has launched a campaign to make the American people believe that polygamy is no longer being practiced. Literature is distributed and given to papers by prominent Mormons, and street meetings are held to make people believe that polygamy has ceased. That these statements are absolutely false and that the elders of the Mormon Church know that they are false is shown by the sworn testimony of Joseph F. Smith, present head of the Mormon Church. Pre Joseph F. Smith, prophet, priest, and king of the Mormon kingdom, testifies as follows. Now we're going to go through some of his testimony, not all of it, of course, that would take forever. Uh, but we're going to highlight his and other sworn testimonies that they made to the U.S. Senate about polygamy. Now remember, these were 1904 to 1907, long after the manifesto, and this is the president of the <laughs> LDS Church, that person that they think is the most high and holy prophet on the planet. So let's look at part of the, the testimony of Joseph F. Smith at the Reed Smoot hearings. Question. You say there is a state law forbidding unlawful cohabitation, that is, living in polygamy. Smith, that is my understanding. Question. And ever since that law was passed, you have been violating it? Smith. I think likely I have been practicing the same thing even before the law was passed. Question. Then you have five wives? Smith. I have. Question. Why is it necessary that you should continue to have children by a multiplicity of wives? Smith. Because my wives are like everyone else's wife. Question. Is there not a revelation published in the Book of Covenants here that you shall abide by the law of the state? Smith. Yes, sir. Question. If that is a revelation, are you not violating the laws of God? Smith. I have admitted that, Mr. Senator, a great many times here. Question. But do you mean to say at your pleasure you obey or disobey the commandments of God Almighty? Smith. Yes, sir. I obey or disobey, disobey at my will. Question. Just as you please, Smith. Just as I please. Question. And is that the kind of a God you believe in? Smith. That is exactly the kind of a God I believe in. Oh. <laughs> as the Bible says. Flexibility. <laughs> You're right. The Bible says there's no fear of God before their eyes, and it shows that there's truth in that statement. Yeah. They had no qualms of lying for the Lord or breaking their own religious laws and of continuing on with their religious adultery. And contemporary polygamists, well, as we've seen in, in many recent yeah. news events, they still have no qualms of illegal, deceitful, criminal lying behavior. So true. Not only the president of the Mormon church, but other men in leadership positions took the stand in sworn testimonies before the Senate they also lied for the Lord. He writes that the Mormon elders were claiming that in 1907 polygamy was not practiced as it had been years ago. And then he wondered if they were trying to, to make polygamy look more acceptable. But he said, quote, the practice of polygamy in Utah by the leaders of the Mormon church was worse than ever before. And he was there. <laughs> and he points out the very reason that they do it. And it bothered him these many decades ago. Then that is that their belief that God demands polygamy for salvation, as we see in this next quote. When those Mormon high priests persuade young girls that in order to have their souls saved, they must become polygamous wives, and these young girls, believing that it is the voice of the Lord speaking, consent to such polygamous marriages. And that's the big problem. That's it. It goes on today. 
Every girl that's persuaded to go into polygamy or forced into it or indoctrinated into it believes it's a commandment of the Lord. But God never did say that polygamy was required, essential, holy, a high principle uh, for salvation. None of these. And we've always challenged, ever since we yeah. started doing this, right. we've challenged our viewers, find one place in the Bible where God has commanded polygamy, as they claim. <laughs> In fact, the practices of the Mormon polygamists are condemned by him in the Bible. And even the Book of Mormon condemns it. Yeah. But polygamists are raised from the cradle to snub their noses at any law that they want to ignore. And they think that it's okay with God, just like Joseph F. Smith said. That's the kind of God they serve. He wrote a letter describing the rituals inside the Mormon temple, and they're still much the same today as they were then. A few things are different. They no longer take their, their blood oaths to avenge right. the blood of Joseph and Hiram Smith, and they no longer take their oaths, their blood oaths, to cut their throat or cut out their guts or their tongue for revealing <laughs> what's going on inside the temple. Other than that, it's pretty much the same. But then as now, as they do today, in the Mormon temples, they remove their clothes, they smear holy oil on the participants and watch a play performed by other Mormons. Their marriages are sealed for eternity inside the temples, but no one, else, no one can participate uh, unless they are worthy, just like that is today, yeah. and no one is worthy unless they pay full tithe to the LDS Church. So true. It's all one great big scam. Next, he talks about the Order of Enoch. The letter is dated November 1907, something the polygamists know about, but it's doubtful that very many mainline LDS members would know, at least contemporary members yeah, would know I don't know, know much it. about it. I th we kind of were aware of a united order kind of a thing. But anyway, he says, Did you ever hear of the Order of Enoch? It was decreed by Brigham Young one day that the saints should have all things in common. <clears throat> In the town where I lived, we had not only provisions and storehouses in common, but we all ate at the same table. Erastus Snow, one of the twelve apostles, objected and said it was no more necessary for all to eat at the same table than to sleep in one bed. The grumblers became so numerous that in 1875, Brigham Young called a halt, and thus the Lord had made another mistake. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? And we see that in, in the LDS Church today, and even in polygamy groups, how they change with the yeah. times. Yeah, well, um, the LDS revelation. Church, stuff. Right. Yeah. Or culture, whatever the culture is doing. Right, right. Then they begin, they go along with it. Um, the Mormon Church more, than, of course, than the polygamy groups do, too, but they do. Um, the, the Order of Enoch had, he said that the Order of Enoch had just become another way for Brigham Young to put his name on other people's private property. <laughs> and he talks about how... Um, the Mormon religion does not make a man righteous, nor did it make them all happy people. He closes his letter like this. The Mormon priesthood has failed to lift the heavy millstone from the heart of the inner soul. Salvation does not come through the priests of false prophets, but by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's our wow. message as well. Wow. Mormon is, of course, he left the Mormon faith. Sure. You know. yeah. uh, Mormonism, polygamy in the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith, Mormon priesthood, nothing, none of that has anything to do with God's salvation, which comes only through our Lord Jesus Christ.
Now, there's more that he wrote about early Mormonism and the big sham that he saw it was and, and the many people that were hurt and destroyed by it. And, and I don't even know if this little book is still in print. Um, he was self-published. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But, but there are many authors um, who have written the same kinds of information in their personal stories of Mormonism and polygamy. I did Google it, and I did find Amazon had a copy of that little book, um, but it was for just a little tiny booklet, and it was twenty five dollars. Wow! You know, so um, it's probably hard to get a hold of yeah. at that price. Yeah. Well, we're going to go from that book to another one. <laughs> uh, we're going to pick and choose from contents of that book, and that's this one—the one, the one someone, that you okay. were asking about. Yeah. It's entitled uh, "Letters to a Mormon Elder" by James R. White. Uh, copyright is nineteen ninety, and it's a series of personal letters that. <laughs> Uh, he has written to a Mormon missionary examining, they had back and forth letters, yeah. uh, examining um, the teachings and theology of the LDS church or Mormonism, most of which is also believed and taught by Mormon polygamists. It's 375 pages of information, so of course we're not <laughs> able to and are not going to go through. We're just going to pick and choose portions of it. Letter number two is entitled, but it is translated correctly. <laughs> now, anyone familiar with Mormon belief knows they claim the Bible has been grossly mistranslated, <laughs> so that's obviously the subject of the topic. <laughs> he quotes, to begin with, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and 2 Peter 1, 30 through 31. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And knowing that this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So those are two uh, important verses, and there's others in the Bible, of course, uh, that tells us that the biblical text is from the very mouth, the very heart of God himself. It is his personal testimony and revelation of himself. He noted that the God of the Bible is big enough, and this is something that's important <laughs> for those in Mormonism to understand, that he is big enough to use men to write his message and powerful enough to be sure that they don't mix it with truth or error, untruth or error. Yeah. And that's the awesome God we say. That's how great he is. He can do that. And he holds divine, all-powerful control over every aspect of communicating his word to mankind. And if you can't trust the Bible, then, of course, you can't trust God. Uh, about translation integrity, we quote from what he said on page 17. Each of the English versions is based directly upon the original languages, and there is but one step between the original Hebrew and Greek text to the English translation. So, as you can see, we can know what the Bible originally said. And you know, that's one thing that really surprised me when I started my own studies, yeah. is that each Bible is translated from the original text. Yeah, they're not copying in, another Bible. Copying they're copies, trying yeah. Trying to go back to the original source mm -hmm. documents. Yeah. That's, and that's what I thought they'd been doing, that they had been copying copies and they were copied and over yeah. and over and over again until pretty soon you don't know what you've got. Uh, but they're not. They're copied directly from the manuscripts themselves. Yeah. 
from the language. Now, for the naysayers of the accuracy of the Bible that we have, as we have it today, if you really want proof of the preservation of the biblical text, he recommends two basic works on that topic. We're going to list them on the screen, but we're also going to add a third recommendation, uh, Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Now, God says that we are to be well-equipped with his truth. This is a good place to start for going to <laughs> one or, or all three of these publications for the honest truth seeker. Now, letter number four is entitled The Doctrine of God, Monotheism versus Polytheism. And this is very important since both LDS and polygamists believe the serpent's lie that they can become a God or like God. That was a revelation to me that it was the serpent serpent that tells them that they can be No, me God. too. You know? That really is something that they believe the devil, what he said, yeah. uh, and make it into such an important part Darker. of their faith. Yeah. Now, a sermon by uh, Joseph Smith has come to be absolutely foundational to Mormon doctrine. And this sermon can be found in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, also in Joseph Fielding Smith's teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. It's known as the King Follett Funeral Discourse, but you cannot find it in the Book of Mormon. And it's contrary and contradictory to any teaching found in the Bible. We quote the part of his sermon about the nature of God. My first object is to find out the character of the only wise and true God and what kind of being he is. If I show verily that I have the truth of God and show that 99 out of every 100 professing religious ministers are false teachers having no authority while they pretend to hold the keys of God's kingdom on earth and was to kill them because they are false teachers, it would deluge the whole world with blood." I will prove that the world is wrong by showing what God is. I am going to inquire after God, for I want you all to know him and to be familiar with him. So he was pretty <laughs> wild there with yeah. his comments about delusion the whole world with blood yeah. for those who teach the truth of the Bible. Now, before we continue with what Joseph Smith said, we want to bring your attention to his statement that he wanted to find out the character of the only wise and true God. Now, the only wise and true God obviously rules out the existence of any other supposed God <laughs> being a true God, <laughs> wouldn't it? It sounds like it should. <laughs> but that's not what he teaches. He uses that statement, but he doesn't teach that. Yeah, this kind of blows you away. God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. That is the great secret. If the veil were rent today and the great God was to make himself visible, you would see him like a man in form, like yourselves. I am going to tell you how God came to be God. We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see. Here then is eternal life, to know the only wise and true God, and you have got to learn how to be gods yourselves, the same as all gods have done before you, namely by going from one small degree to another, from exaltation to exaltation, until you attain to the resurrection of the dead and are able to dwell in the everlasting burnings and to sit in glory as do those who sit enthroned in everlasting power. Now, whenever you hear a Mormon or a polygamist say they believe in one God, they are merely leaving out the rest of their belief. They believe in one God in purpose, 
and only one God governs this, this planet. planet. Yeah. Now, the idea of many gods or polytheism is all through early Mormon teachings and sermons and lessons and testimonies. They believe they have to learn how to become a god and then earn it. Yeah. That, how, how can you be a god if you have to learn how to be a god? Well, I've, probably, <laughs> I've probably said it here before, but the funny part for me was, when do I become a god? Do I wake up one morning and all of a sudden I'm a god? You know, or you have a graduating ceremony. Yeah, I have a graduate, <laughs> get my cap and gown. Yeah. And now, okay, now you weren't a god, now you are a god. Yeah. I, I just, it, it was so, doesn't that, tell you, does even it? as a more, good Mormon boy, I was, that was always peculiar to me is huh. when, when that was going to happen and how, you know, what the, how that all occurred. Yeah, yeah. that's a good question. Now, polygamist also thinks that they're required work to, uh, to earn godhood. And, sure. of course, polygamy is a big part of that requirement. Yeah. Joseph Smith preached God was once like us, that he's a man like we are, a human, that he learned how to be a god, that he wasn't god from all eternity, totally contradictory to the scripture, and that to be a god you will dwell in everlasting burnings. Isn't that what describes hell? <laughs> now, there are... Many, many Bible verses that refute this heretical idea. Uh, and if there were other gods, God would know it. <laughs> the author of this book uses one of my favorites of all the verses yeah, that refute it. And you can find it in Jeremiah 10, 10 and 11. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus shall you say to them, The gods who did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. So if, if you didn't create the heavens and the earth, Earl, you can't become a god. You'll perish from under his creation. That's what it says. That's what it says. Yeah. So all of those people who think they're going to become gods, if you're not creator god now, you never will become a god. Joseph Smith said God was not from everlasting, but God's personal testimony of himself is that he is from everlasting. It's God who created everything that exists. He was there. We weren't. And verse 11 is a warning to everyone who thinks that they're going to be a god. If you're not the almighty creator, you will perish. Please remember, God will not be mocked. Another great reminder from God is in Isaiah chapter 44. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not nor be afraid. Have I not told you from old and declared it, and you are my witnesses? Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. So if God doesn't know of any other gods, and he's the only wise God, true God, as Joseph Smith said, then he yeah. would know everything, and he has testified that he doesn't know of any other gods anywhere. And that includes female gods or goddesses as his wives and Mormon, that Mormonism no. teaches is beside, beside him. Very now, there's more on the topic, but for the sake of time, we must move on to the chapter entitled The Gospel of the Grace of God. On page 100 and, uh, or 310 is the truest statement and teaching that you can get about salvation. 
The most difficult truth of the Bible for man to accept is that God is the one who saves men. No, I didn't say that God simply provides a way for men to be saved, but that God actually saves sinners. There you go. God does it. Yet polygamists in every polygamy group threaten every female member that polygamy is the means by which God will save us. So it's upon us to do it. Notice an interesting, another interest, an interesting <laughs> statement that Jesus made. This is from John six forty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So you can't work and do your works uh, mm. to come to God. His word, if you get in his word and read it, it'll draw you to him, should anyway. Jesus is the one who paid the price for salvation. God does the work of drawing us to Jesus for salvation. We read then John 6, 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's the resurrection. Jesus is God the Son. The one who saves us. No works, no Mormonism, restored gospel, no polygamy. Just the Savior who alone saves human beings. For those who may be looking for answers alternative to Mormonism, this book is really a good place Mm. to begin. You can check it out and see what God has to say about himself. (laughs) His testimony. Yeah. It's interesting that, and I believe I've said this before, in, in both Mormonism and polygamy, they have testimonies. People get up and get personal testimony, have testimony meetings. Right. But God gives us his testimony and they don't believe it. <laughs> I wonder why we should believe theirs. I don't know. That's a good <laughs> question. Interestingly about the uh, King Follett discourse, he gave that, I think, in May of 1844. And he was killed June of 1844, so I'm not sure. I think God had had <laughs> enough of his rhetoric. <laughs> said, okay, I think you've carried this one just far enough. I, and far. other people have made that remark, and, and, they, and I think there's a lot of truth in it. I think God I has had it. God had does that or not, but yeah. he, uh, this was getting pretty blasphemous when he... Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Earl. Thanks you very much again. We'll very meet again someday for more, more topics. <laughs> Good. You know, our viewers should know that the first liar was the devil, whom Jesus said cannot tell the truth. And the devil was the first one to want to be like God and deceived Eve by saying it would be a good thing for them to disobey God. That's not a very wise example to follow. If you get who God is wrong, then everything that follows is also wrong. And that's also true with Jesus. If you get the Savior wrong, only error will follow. Dozens of times God has testified that there are no other gods in existence but himself. And all through the Bible, we're taught that Jesus is the the son. He is God in the flesh. He is our savior. He alone deserves the glory and he alone is worthy of praise. If you search the Bible from cover to cover, from now and forever, you will not find one place that condones or teaches that polygamy is part of how God will save lost sinners. So again, we plead with our viewers who cling to Joseph Smith, toss him out and embrace Jesus Christ alone as your prophet and your savior. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. 
More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.